in the morning. When you want the news, you need the front page every hour on the press box. Nothing's riding on this except the uh, First Amendment, the Constitution, freedom of the press, and maybe the future of the country. Not that any of that matters. And now, the news. UNLV had its spring football showcase on Saturday. Harrison Bailey took the first snaps as quarterback. Do you think Marcus Arroyo will ever actually name him the starting quarterback, though? I'm wondering if he's going to do it at the end of spring. I don't really have a problem at it this point. It is the end of spring. No, they have, they have this week. Oh, they have more practice? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, what? They have three more practices. They did a spring showcase, yeah. and then they have more practices? Either this week or next week. They have three more practices, something to do with the draft. But they oh. they have three more practices. So my guess is he, he named someone at the end of spring going into the summer. So they, okay, they basically wanted to have something at Allegiant Stadium, and they couldn't yeah, do it sure. Saturday because sure. the draft is here. Yeah. Got it. Okay, I just... All right. I just assumed this was the end because I don't... This well, it usually is. It's usually yes. the showcase, yes. not how it ends. Um... So, because the competition here is Doug Brumfield, who was in the transfer portal for eight days, and Cameron Friel, who had the day off at the spring showcase, which seems like a weird time to give somebody the day off. Uh, but I, you, so you think he actually names one at the end of spring? I think he does. Okay. I was out there the other day, and someone asked him that, and he didn't specifically say he was going to do it. But I got the feeling that at the end of spring, going into summer workouts. That he'll name that he'll name a starter. I mean, at this point, you know, Doug Brumfield already tried to transfer and right. didn't, so it's not like you no. can. I guess you could still lose him, but most likely not. So probably not too much to lose there from that. Uh, can I give you one hot take from the stats? Mike Ramala kept stats of this. Good job, Mike Ramala. Uh, Harrison Bailey, eighteen of twenty-six passing for one hundred and seventy-one yards. Doug Brumfield, fourteen of twenty passing for one hundred and twenty-seven yards. Are they going to complete a pass more than 10 yards down the field this season? One pass? Yeah, just one. Yes. Okay. Yes. More than 10 yards? Yes. Because those are some... They play some... Extremely low passing yardage numbers for some decently high completion you're not numbers. You're not, uh, you're not talking catch and run. <laughs> no, no. In the air, 10 <laughs> yards. In the air, hold 10 on, yards. Hold on. Let me think about this. Yes. Yes. At least one. <laughs> Can it be tipped off a uh, Nevada yeah, It doesn't matter hands. what it is. Yeah. Just, okay. The ball oh, okay. travels right. 10 yards in the air. We just got a few more opportunities. Okay. <laughs> because I was like, wow, that, that's decent. That's good completion percentage numbers. But that is not down the field at all. It's not very good. Is this the weirdest uh, thing that Mike Ramala does, non-food category? Or is it the tracking plus minus? for UNLV basketball. No, that's his actual job. I appreciate that. Okay. Marcus Arroyo's hey. not giving him stats from the spring game. There was there was a guy, pretty famous guy, I might have told you this before, in San Diego who did sports radio. He literally would come on when the Chargers had their seven on sevens and shorts and give us stats. Phillip Rivers completed 18 of 18 for two. Yeah, he was going against, he was seven on seven and shorts. <laughs> so he, would, he would literally literally. So you're doing that stats. for us next, uh, in August yeah. training camp? No, Gilbert. Uh, I'll give you. I'll give you. You gave more us the the skull cap dunks. The skull cap yeah, dunks. Uh, yeah, exactly. yeah, I'll give you those. Ice those are yeah. much better stats. Than Derek Carr was eight of eight against air. Ed has a niche. <laughs> yes, I don't want to fall out of it. I can't. Are you proud of yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you're proud of yourself. Yeah, Fox backs me. Wow. Well, and to be honest, to be honest, no, no, that's enough. That's enough. Next question, please. Kyle Schwarber was ejected last night after arguing a strike three call by Angel Hernandez. Phillies were down one nothing in the ninth inning. A 3-2 pitch missed the zone, but Angel Hernandez called it a strike anyways. 
it's the ejection of the year already, right? I mean, Kyle Schwarber well, lost his mind, and it's it's awesome. And it was a ball. Here's your here's your ump scorecard. Overall accuracy. This is actually good for Angel Hernandez. 88%. He had a good day. Uh, overall consistency, 88%. Impactful missed calls. The first one mentioned, bottom of the ninth. Yeah. Uh, hater to Schwarzer. Base is empty. 3-2 count. Ball is called a strike. Yeah. And by the way, that 88%, the MLB average is 94%. 94%, yeah. So most umpires missed 6%, and he yeah. decided to miss 12% He's horrible. yesterday. Uh, yeah, he beyond beyond the Schwarber call in the ninth, he had the biggest miss of the entire season by like it was like six point seven inches or something. A ball was off the plate and he called it a strike. This is the biggest miss of the entire oh, season, yeah. and so he had worst calls of the He's entire terrible. season in one game. Schwarber getting ejected was great. Here's my like somewhat serious question to Schwarber getting ejected: Do more players need to do that? Go crazy yeah, like that? Obviously, you to hurt make a your difference, team. Maybe by yeah, getting well, you hurt your team by getting by getting thrown out. But if we had every day a Someone player do that? losing yeah. their mind on maybe an up because things. they blew a call, would we actually speed up the change that's eventually going to come to baseball, where we get robot umps and not Angel Hernandez missing? I mean, a it pitch couldn't hurt, right? Six inches. It couldn't hurt if you yeah. had one guy a day drawing lines yeah. in the dirt or going nuts and throwing your helmet and throwing your bat. Yeah. And that was great. It's, I mean, again, you hurt your team, you get ejected, whatever. I mean, Schwarber did it in the ninth inning where if you don't score a run, the game's over. So that's fine. And well, right. he was probably the DH yesterday, so it doesn't hurt quite as bad. But yes, it hurts your team. But I feel like that would, if we had every single day an obvious missed call and the player blow up on the ump, I think we'd actually have, and the players' union being like, listen, we can't keep having these umpires be so terrible when we have the technology in real time to fix it. What did you see out there and why did it why was it so hard Next for you question. to get involved? The Dodgers took two out of three from the Padres. How many fights were in the stands? I didn't see that, but I did see oh, you this. Didn't? I oh. I did see this. Um it's hilarious how the Dodgers overtake that 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 ballpark. Did you hear the Freddie chance for Freddie Freeman? It was no. like a Dodger stadium. Uh -oh. And my question to Padre fans is because a lot of Dodger fans, if you watch the game and you see the crowd from, you know, if you're looking from the side of the batter, it was like all Dodger fans. Are these Padre fans selling them their tickets? Well, so that's I mean, interesting. How, how, because... does the, how does you get that many? I see upper deck. If you're a Dodger fan, you go and obviously buy a ticket anywhere outfield. But I'm talking third base and yeah. first base lines. Those should be season ticket holders. The interesting part about that is the Padres have had good attendance the last year. Like when I went, I went to three Padre games last year. They were basically all sold out and it was 90% Padre fans. So it's, right. it's not like you're not taking over Arizona where there's eight people right. in the ballpark. You're taking over that any other time they play, they've got a legitimate home crowd, fan base, sellout, whatever. I mean, and I'm sorry, as Padre fans, that's the one series you should want to go yeah. to. Well, maybe they make all of their season ticket money. I'm sure they make the a lot weekend. of money from Dodger fans. <laughs> I mean, that's, that actually was going to be my argument is I bet there's a lot of Raiders season ticket holders in this town that are like Chiefs weekend. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. I, yeah. I make my money back on my tickets. Yeah. There's, I, I know a person who sold us Chiefs tickets and made his money back. <laughs> Chiefs for sure. Great question. Going back to Saturday's game. Yankees fans ended up throwing trash on the field after the Yankees won the game with a walk-off hit. Now, they were throwing it at Straw, one of the uh, outfielders for the Guardians. Prior to the walk-off hit, uh, Stephen Kwan went headfirst into a wall trying to make a catch. 
and he was down and hurt for a minute. And according to Miles Straw, Yankees fans were celebrating Stephen Kwan being hurt. And so Miles Straw actually climbed the fence to get in the face of Yankees fans and yell back at them during the stoppage when Stephen Kwan had gotten hurt. And then the Yankees won shortly after that on a walk-off and their fans threw trash at the Guardians as they left the field. Yeah, but I think it might have just been plastic stuff, so does it really matter? We're okay with it? <laughs> I mean, it, you know. Miles Straw said one of their relievers got hit with an ice cream cone. Come on. I mean. You can deal with that. It's not like it's bottles or anything. Was it a full ice cream cone? I don't know. <laughs> there, there was not a follow-up question. It was, it was too. <laughs> Who are these journalists? Listen, it was a very days. serious. Miles Straw was very serious in his delivery. There was no, like. Haha, ha, that's funny. He got hit with an ice cream cone. He was very upset. So they're going to have mean, to ask him like today or tomorrow. Be like, all right. What now that, type now that some of time ice cream? Passed, well, go find their reliever, actually. And be like, all right, what kind of what kind of ice cream did you get hit with? Did it stick in a hilarious fashion and not slide down? I was mean, it a full ice cream cone? Because I have to imagine an ice cream cone at Yankee Stadium is <laughs> not cheap. No. I, uh. No, I mean, let's that be guy honest. threw twenty bucks worth of ice cream at me. None of them got hit with harder than Cassie Soto did. So I, that's my that's my kind of gauge. Yeah, ask about, Cassie Soto if, if a plastic bottle is yeah. nice yeah. to get hit with. It's better than, or would she rather have an ice cream cone hitter? Uh, I don't know. We'll see. Nigel Pack is getting eight hundred thousand dollars in nil in an nil deal as he transfers to Miami. So Nigel Pack is a Kansas State transfer. He averaged 17 points per game last season. The company Life Wallet is going to pay him $400,000 per year. He's got two years left. $400,000 per year. Plus, he's also getting a car. Did you know what Life Wallet was before this? No, but I do know this. There's no way now non-Power 5s can compete. Not that they were able to compete before very well, well, St. Peter's. But you know what I mean? To try to get players when you're talking, and with the Kentucky kid went back for what a million dollars, he went back to school. Who's the national player of the year? I don't know how you compete anymore. It's gonna be, it's gonna be great to watch this back and forth with Power Five schools of how much they'll actually get for kids. <laughs> I mean, right? What's the bar now? A million bucks? I, genuine question for you. Let's uh, hypothetical situation. UNLV goes to a Sweet Sixteen. Their best player from that team goes into the transfer portal. How much money can UNLV boosters, sponsors, whatever, come up with to convince them to stay? If they go to the Sweet if they have a great season, right? If back, uh-huh. if UNLV basketball it's mania a, is back. It's a tricky question. How much money can UNLV find Jared? in an NIL deal? I mean, it depends I mean, on, uh, like, do we have any hot tubs available? It's legal now, though. I'm saying. That's I mean, what I'm saying. Is did, six uh, figures? So, so, okay. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, six figures? Okay. If they could come up with... But if a kid's in the portal who went to the Sweet 16, he's probably getting more than that. Somewhere. Right. So that's my question is, can they... We're basically saying compete, right? If UNLV goes to Sweet 16, their best player goes in the portal and whatever. If Miami comes along and says... we 400000 a year deal, from the right. wallet company. Can UNLV come up with $400,000 a year? Why am I optimistic that they could? I don't know. Because Why do I believe if UNLV was good? Like, if you're in the suite, like, like that good? If they were ranked 23rd 20? in the country, 
and they made a run to the Sweet 16. Like, why do I feel like there would be people that would be like, oh, we're back on board with UNLV. This kid was awesome. Here's a $500,000 NIL deal to come be in a car commercial. I'm going to make a call after the show and give you a number tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) Can't wait. It'll be great. It'll be a lot of fun. Here's the other part, though, that I'm very fascinated to see. What does Nigel Pack do for Life Wallet? Uh, is he going to be in a commercial app that allows people to keep track of their medical records? Right. Is Nigel Pack going to be like in a commercial that says I use life wallet to keep track of my <laughs> when I blood tra- tests, when I, I like transferred to Miami, they wanted to run a physical. Well, thanks to life wallet. <laughs> I had all my medical records available. Like in all seriousness, is he even going to be in a commercial or anything for this company? Oh, I think he'd be in something. 400,000 like, a year. What would he do though? I yeah, I can't like it's a college athlete. What's he going to say about his medical records? I I cannot imagine that like yeah, you're obviously it's not worth it for the company from a standpoint of marketing, but I just I can't imagine him doing like the the hypothetical I always use for some reason is car dealerships. Because if UNLV had a kid lead them to the Sweet 16, he would probably be marketable. And you could put him in a car dealership and be like, I only buy my cars Whoa, from yeah, here. Oh, yeah, sure. Or Wings. But what the hell is life wings stop It's or just Wings. Like that? It's, it's just, just Wings. wings. Just Get the wings. company right, Ed. Who was Come that? On, uh, the what, the former string, quarterback? Uh, yeah. The former four-string quarterback? The slash wide receiver for a couple of games. Yeah. But I, I can't. What is a college kid doing for life? Lot? I don't know. Doesn't make any sense. He's doing something for four hundred thousand. Apparently, coming up next, we jump back into the NBA playoffs. The press box path to the draft here on ESPN Las Vegas, eleven hundred AM and one hundred point nine FM is brought to you by the iconic Sahara Las Vegas. The NFL Draft is taking over Las Vegas April 28th through the 30th, and you can be there to witness it live. This is NFL Fan Fest, features player appearances, photo ops, live concerts, and more. It's all free with the NFL One Pass app. The NFL Draft presented by Bud Light. Make sure you visit NFL.com slash One Pass to register. Um, I'm slightly disappointed that the draft we get doesn't have any, like, quarterback going number one overall. You're not happy with this draft. You're actually saying it might be the worst draft ever in what? your lifetime, who, though. There's been a lot of drafts. Who are we drafting first? Who's getting drafted first overall? Trayvon Walker? It's just like it's it's a boring draft. Are there any good players in the draft? That's my question. Everybody keeps coming on and being like, "There's a new number one pick because that guy we thought was going to go number one actually kind of sucks." Are there any good players in the draft? I'm not even sure the Aiden Hutchinson kid is a great player. <laughs> See, we and got he's... we might have to. Are we going to look back at like the worst draft ever? Well, I mean, when did Jake Walker of, get drafted? Because that might be the drafts. worst draft ever. The first draft was two dudes sitting around in a hotel room reading newspapers. <laughs> that might have been the worst draft. That was the press box path to the draft brought to you by the iconic Sahara Las Vegas here on ESPN Las Vegas, 1100 a.m. and 100.9 FM. Quick to the point. Are you at all worried about the... Sixers title chances right. with Joel Embiid's thumb injury. If something happens and he wasn't able to play, even though he's going to play through it, I'm more, not certain, but more guessing that the Raptors can come back from down what they were down than the my Brooklyn Nets. 
Well, yes, they are. They've already won one game, so right. Yes. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, they, they go. They could come all the way. And back. until Jason Tatum tears ligaments in his thumb, then yes. yeah, I, I agree with happen. that 100. Why? I, I just need to start putting on the rundown every day. NBA injury. Yeah. Because what the hell? And, and by are we the doing? way, it's not even to bad players. Right. Yes. Exactly. All to good players. This is not like Giannis's little brother got hurt. This is like Giannis <laughs> is probably getting hurt in the next game he plays. It's unbelievable. So Joel Embiid has a thumb injury. There's some torn ligaments. He's going to have to have surgery after the season, but he's going to play through it. He had 21 points in game four against Toronto, but only took 16 shots from the field. I assume they're beating Toronto. I assume that's not going to be a big deal. They've only got to get one of three here to finish out this series. I highly doubt they lose three straight here, but are they beating Miami if Embiid's hurt? Are they beating Miami if Embiid's not 100%? Not the way Miami's playing yeah. right now. Not the way Miami's and playing. And Miami's a team that's going to punch him like six times every game. I keep looking at Miami and just, I can't understand it, but they keep winning. And I don't know why. I don't know why. Maybe I went well, into the playoffs. Well, they're playing Atlanta at the moment. Right, but and I Trey Young can't score. I went into the playoffs wondering if them a number one seed. I had so many others ahead of them in the East, including my Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> We're now down 3-0. Your Brooklyn Nets. Yes. Well, He's they are. Adopted they are. I've adopted if them. If Ed they predicts a team game, to win, they become they his become team. They become my team. Exactly. I mean, he was a Bengals fan on and off. Yes, for... exactly. Ed's going to be devastated in a couple days when the Nets are finally yes, eliminated. Yeah. He's just going to be sad. sad say, my day. Boston Celtics. <laughs> so the other uh, part of this game four loss for the 76ers, aside from Joel Embiid's injury, did you see what Joel Embiid said about the referees? Uh, they were good. Yeah, kind of. Uh, he got asked, fair to say you didn't like officiating. Embiid said, I'm going to take my own advice and not complain about fouls. But, <laughs> you know, like I was doing at the end of the game, they did a great job. I admire the job that they did today. To me, it felt like they had one job coming in here tonight and they got it done. So congrats to them. Somebody followed up with, can I infer the job was to make sure there's a game five? Embiid said, I don't know. I really don't know what I'm talking about, but you can figure it out. They did a great job. They did a great job making sure Toronto was going to win. So Joel Embiid accused the referees of fixing game four. Without really openly confusing or accusing them by saying they did their job. Pretty good. Pretty smart. Is it? I, I I mean, I think it's pretty funny. Can you get fined for that? If you say in a sarcastic manner, they had one job and they did a great job at it without actually no, saying. because he can come back and say, I was saying that they did a great job right. for sure. Good. He didn't spell out why. By the way, tremendous said. follow-up question. I don't know who asked it. Tremendous follow-up question. Be like, all right, the one job. Are you saying they fixed game four? <laughs> and by the way, this sentence from Joel Embiid, I don't know if it's intentional and it's awesome, or if he ju- was just mumbling, but when he says, I really don't know what I'm talking about, but you can figure it out. <laughs> That's how you don't get fined. That's how you know. don't get fined. I don't know what I'm saying. You guys know what I'm saying, though. I certainly don't. But here's the annoying part to me. He just told Nick Nurse to stop complaining about refs like four days yeah. ago. And then he's like, well, I'm not going to complain about him, but... but- they fixed game four. <laughs> what are we doing here? You cannot, you cannot have four days. You, maybe like 
a year removed. I don't know. Four days is a long time for these guys. Right. If it beat, it said this like last year, and then it was like, hey, yeah, I know I said it last year, but they suck. But f- like four days ago, he told Nick Nurse to stop complaining about the refs, and now he's complaining about the refs. I mean, he complained in a way that he's not going to get in trouble at. But he still complained. Nick Nurse didn't get in trouble for just complaining during the game. He got in trouble for what he said in the yeah, post-game press exactly. conference. But just <laughs> Embiid was yelling at Nick Nurse during the game. Embiid was telling him to shut up during the game. I just, how can you be the guy that tells the other team to stop complaining about fouls? And then the minute that what one game didn't go his way, this wasn't well, a cold accumulation. How can you be Kyrie Irving and say we don't have any chemistry? Also an idiot. <laughs> one game doesn't go your way. And you immediately turn to, well... The refs made sure we lost this one. What? <laughs> what? Joel Embiid is like the reason Embiid it was an MVP candidate is because of how many free throws oh, he yeah. shot. He's Harden. He probably gets the friendliest yes. whistle in the he's NBA. The new, he's the new Harden. And one game doesn't go his way, and he's like, oh, they fixed the game. I didn't say that. You guys can figure it out, though. How are we doing this, Joel? Come on. Come on, Joel Embiid. You can be so I much. He was kinda, I thought he was kind of intelligent and uh, smart afterwards, the way he put that. that, yeah. that was, I, I think in a that way to kinda, not get fined. Right. In a way but he's not, accusing them of fixing to, the game. That's why I think he's intelligent. In a way to not get $25,000 taken out of his bank account. He's accusing them of fixing the game. <laughs> that's unbelievable. You should love that. No. Yeah, because this is he something, just you, this four is something days you should ago, love. Because he four days ago told the other team's coach to shut up about it. And now he's saying they this fixed is something the game. you should love. Nick Nurse was like, listen, we they can't give him every call. Right? Nick Nurse didn't come in and say, the refs want Philadelphia to win. The NBA sent the refs here to do one job, and that's to make sure Philadelphia wins. Nick Nurse just said, the guy's getting every call, which he does. Joel Embiid follows it up with, they fixed the game. All right, tell me about the Pelicans. Are they going to win the series? No. No? Are no. you sure? How I'm sure are you about that? Not at all. Okay. <laughs> is Brandon Chris, Ingram the best Paul player in the series right now? Right now he is because the best player in the series is sitting on the bench. So if Booker Hurt. doesn't come back. Brandon Ingram's the best player in the series. Then the Pelicans win. Well, just because he's the best player in the series. I think, uh, well, no, I, I shouldn't say that. I was going to go where you wouldn't want me to go. Um, Brandon Ingram. Is the best player in the series if Devin Booker doesn't come back, but I still think the Suns are good enough to get over, you know, get past him. Is Chris Paul good enough to score more not than if he four sco- points? Not if he scores four points. And then they, then if you tell me he scores four points the rest of the way, I might change my mind and say, <laughs> my Pelicans, <laughs> my Pelicans, my Pelicans are going to beat the Suns in six games. He scored four points, and all of them were in the first quarter, too. Yeah. So Chris Paul did not score in the second, third, Which or fourth quarter Which is pretty astonishing. Yeah, when Devin Booker's not out yeah, there, right? Exactly. That's like, pretty astonishing. It would be one thing if, yeah, Chris Paul didn't score, but he had 15 assists, and Devin Booker went for 52. Right? You'd be like, all right, that works. But for him to not score when Devin Booker is out? How? More astonishing. He gets four or the number of shots Kyrie and, Dur- and Durant took. <laughs> the number of shots Kyrie and Durant took. I agree. Absolutely. I agree. Because yeah. you can kind of have a bad game if you're right. Chris Paul, but the fact that the two best players on that team by far don't shoot yeah. is pretty astonishing. And Chris Paul, Chris Paul's game is not simply just scoring, right? Like right. he, he right. brings a lot more value than scoring. Yes. Durant and Kyrie Irving aren't exactly good defenders. Durant's tall, so he makes some plays because he's longs or arms are really long. But like the thing that those two both do to impact the game, is shoot and score is score, yes. and they're not even shooting. 
to do that. So it's definitely those two taking five total shots in game four. So you're, you're not, or game three, you're not putting any real stock into the Pelicans winning the series. It's 2-2. Two, two. They just got to win two out of three against the maybe Devin Booker-less Suns. No, I'd say the Suns win it. Okay. My Suns win it. Can you imagine? We'd have a second-round <laughs> matchup of, of the New Suns Orleans? and either the Jazz or the Mavericks. The Mavericks, yeah. Because that series is now 2-2 two, two as no, well. No, the Pelicans. Uh, sorry, sorry. The Pe- yeah, the yeah, New Orleans versus Jazz or Jazz. Mavericks. You know who'd be the happiest about that? The Warriors. <laughs> yeah. Well, no. <laughs> Because they got to play Golden's, they got to play an actual good team. The best three teams, if, if the Suns get eliminated, the best three teams in the West are on the other side of the bracket: Golden uh, State, Memphis, and Minnesota. Memphis, Memphis yeah. or Minnesota? Yeah, I think that's that. Those are the best three teams. If Phoenix were to be eliminated, I think those would be the three best teams in the West, better than any of the teams on the other side of the bracket. It's kind of the same in the East with Boston, Milwaukee right. about to play. All right, coming up next, your own Weitzman joins the show. This is a 15-man rotation, uh, and things happen, and you have to be to ready to go. You know, our last uh, home game, that was Caleb. He wasn't playing, uh, and then all of a sudden, boom, he's in. The veteran guys understand that. Our staff understands that. Uh, in the playoffs, things happen. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Greeny and Tyler Bischoff. Joining us now, he covers the NBA for Fox Sports, own Weitzman. Good morning, own. How are you? Hey, I'm good, guys. What's going on? Yeah, very good. All right, uh, help me out here. I know this has been going on for, what, uh, maybe two, three years now, but when did the NBA just simply become um, everybody's best player gets hurt in the postseason type of league? Yeah, yeah it's been a <laughs> – I guess it's a good chance to uh, bet on your long shots, you know, like you did a few months ago. Might be looking up. Yeah, it's kind of deflating, um, hoping some of these guys come back and we get some good second rounds. But, no, I'm – I'm with you. It's uh, and I guess if you want to go big picture, I mean, I don't know um, how much you can tie this stuff to the length of schedule, and if it's just random or fluky, you know, that's all beyond me. Um, but it does kind of we we all do kind of know that the NBA season is too long, and these guys could probably use more of a break. Yeah, talk then about this play in turn or the play play tournament during the regular season. Isn't that going to add more when Silver's talks about load management all the time? Yeah, I mean, the idea would be to cut some regular season games and have that instead. So you're having the same amount of games, but some more stakes in the games, I believe. That's my understanding of how they envision it playing out. Um, I mean, listen, I'm not going to uh, I'm not gonna argue in favor of the uh, midseason tournament. I think it's nutty. Um, I don't think it's going to work or be interesting, but I'm wrong very often. So what do I know? <laughs> uh, can you give us an explanation of what has happened to Kevin Durant? Uh, <laughs> um no, that's actually. I mean, the Celtics defense is great. It's really, it's really great. It's like it's got a possibility to be an all-time great defense that we look back on and kind of say, "Oh wow, why we probably should have been more on this in the uh, in the moment in the present tense." Um, you know, Jason Tatum has become an elite uh, wing defender, or just an elite player in general, but an elite wing defender. Defender. Um, Boston has also had this really good scheme where they're basically switching across. So, you know, you keep getting screens and trying to get. Which got switched on to different players, and there's no mismatch there, right? Al Horford's good, Grant Williams, these guys can all stay in front, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. I even mentioned Marcus Smart, who's the defensive player of the year. Um, and they're also exposing Brooklyn's lack of depth, the idea that, you know what, we're going to overload on Durant and also Kyrie and make one of these other three guys pay and beat us. And, and we're going to force you to make a decision to do, okay, we're going to play our other guys on offense to hit shots, but they are so weak defensively that it kind of becomes a no-win situation. So they're exposing one of the flaws of the, uh, 
I'll say the super team. I mean, I don't know this Brooklyn roster. I, I, I'm a little wary. I know some people have used this as like a referendum on the super teams are over and this is why they don't go well. I think the Brooklyn team, um, in terms of what they've dealt with the past two years, is a little of an anomaly. But this team, in this team in particular, is so top heavy, and Boston is taking advantage of that. Will Ben Simmons ever play again? Ooh, uh, I'll say yes. But I, I do enjoy. I do like the question, right? Like, I, how about this? I'll say yes, and I'd be surprised if he, I'd be. I think I'd be shocked if he did. Like, if we found out, you know, in two months that Ben Simmons is retiring, I think most of us would react with shock, right? But I also think that we're hitting the point where, like, okay, it's a fair question to ask, right? It's a fair thing to wonder and these hypotheticals. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting, right? It's uh, yeah, that part's interesting. Uh, coming off a loss, but still probably a fair question asked. Are the are the Warriors back? Like Jordan Poole stepping in here, being like the third splash brother out of nowhere. This, this yeah, team back? They're back. Yeah, they're back. <laughs> back. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, like or or phrase it differently. They they look great, and Phoenix struggling a little bit in the Booker injury. Like I don't know what you guys think what the odds are, but um, I, I would imagine took the Warriors as like you know bet on the Warriors to come out of the West a few months ago are uh, feeling pretty good about themselves right now. Are the Suns vulnerable? Um, I want to say, I mean, <laughs> I'm one of these people who was like saying throughout the year, hey, we're ignoring this um, historic season they're having. Like, it's not even just like this is the best team in the league, but this is a team that made the finals last year. The top three offense and defense have stars. They're unbelievable in the clutch. This is a juggernaut that we're all ignoring. Um, again, I guess, you know, I, I'm wrong often. Um, the Booker injury. The Booker injury is a big one, right? So are they vulnerable? Like they'll beat New Orleans. They don't beat the uh, Pelicans that they all time. You know, I'm not, I'm not betting on an all time upset, right? Um, vulnerable. I mean, again, like if Booker comes back, and like, do we mean that they could lose to the Warriors in the conference finals? Then yeah, for sure, they're vulnerable. Could they lose to the Jazz or Mavericks in round two? So that's the one, right? I don't. Uh, do you, I mean, it's more of a. And this is my whole thing, like. Over by default, you believe in either of those teams, right? I don't. So I would be pretty shocked on that one. <laughs> did we not know? Did we not know because of the start they had how good Brandon Ingram is? Um, <laughs> that's a good question. Um, I mean, the whole New Orleans thing is weird. I don't know if to make of anything going on there, right? Like Willie Green might be a really good coach, you know. And if you look, you know, you can do the funny math thing, but you can't throw out like the first what is it two months or like they lost under the first fifteen games, they were five hundred from then on. Um, yeah, they're very good. I mean, Brendan Ingram is really good. I know that. So maybe we did overlook it a little bit. Um, they also deserve some credit. Like, they made a trade. Uh, they got C.J. McCollum. They made a trade. Like, they got a veteran who's good, and a lot of teams don't do that stuff, and it made a huge difference for them. All right, hold on. Here's the question for you. From this point forward, who plays more NBA games, Zion Williamson or <laughs> Ben Simmons? Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, ooh. Wow. Um <laughs> I uh, I'm gonna go with Simmons, but I don't feel good about it. I'm gonna go with Simmons because um, he at least like he. I mean, um, I guess he's a back. Like he's pretty durable when he plays. That sounds like a dumb sentence, you know. Like if he comes back, I assume he can last for a season with Zion. It's just yeah, you know, how many years are we getting out of him? So I'll bet Simmons, but that's but that's a fun one. That's a good one. But haven't you seen Zion in those clips drive past the five-year-old and dunk? Yeah, that was good. I mean, every clip of him during those games, they show one clip of him on a court dunking on somebody. He's like, well, they that's all he does anyway, so why can't – I think Reggie Miller actually called him out as he's sitting on the bench and they're showing these clips. He's like, then why can't this guy play again? That's funny. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's certainly um, 
Yeah, it's the year of wondering why can't guys play, right? That's certainly fair. Uh, the Wolves and Grizzlies, is this the perfect series that kind of gets ruined by the rings or nothing arguments that we have in the NBA because it's a fun series, even though neither one of these teams are actually going to do anything? Uh, I mean, I, I agree. Yeah, it's a, it's a blast. Um, and the you should appreciate both these teams. And they're both on the, on the come up, which I think maybe will be how it gets phrased, right? Well, the fact that these are two good young teams, and maybe this could be the start of a fun uh, rivalry, right, between good, young, talented guys who have no problem um, speaking their minds. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's a blast. It's, these next three games are going to be so much fun. These teams are pretty uh, evenly matched. I mean, Minnesota's good. I don't think people realize how good Minnesota is. I mean, maybe they do now, but I don't think they realize how, how good they were during the second half of the season this year. What has been the best protest against Glenn Taylor? The gluing the hand to yeah. the court, the chained woman to the basket, or the woman yesterday who tried to run on the court, be a referee, and give him a technical? Oh, <laughs> go. you got to go to the technical, don't you? Yes. you got to go. Uh, yes. you got to go. Yes. Yes. It is, uh, yeah, it's been, it's, it's been, I don't even know what to say. I'm afraid to say anything when it comes to animal rights. But it's been interesting. <laughs> it's been, uh, it's been interesting. <laughs> I mean, I will say this from this group of people protesting. I am impressed that they have been able to do this at three different games. They have somehow thwarted security three different times to have some form of protest of the Timberwolves owner, Glenn Taylor. Yeah, and even the one I know, like the security guard got all the love for the way um, he right, took out the uh, East Urban Park stuff, right, where he the, went viral, where he was like, I'm on it. But I want to know how he... Uh, how the protester got like the seat right behind Glenn Taylor. Right? What's yes. Yes. <laughs> I mean, after the glue well, and the chain, you. I would probably figure out who's sitting around this guy. I mean, how did yeah, they get that close? Yeah, no, it's funny. I'm, uh, I am with you. <laughs> uh, your own Weitzman from uh, Fox sports covering the NBA with us. Uh, was it weird for you writing a story where people said nice things about Grace and Allen? <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I wrote that story earlier in the year, and I think it was like, I'm not 30 anymore, yada, yada. And then, like, two weeks later was the uh, hoodie hit. Now, uh, Caruso, right? It was that. <laughs> Caruso, <laughs> there yeah. Goes that. Um, yeah, there goes that uh, theme. But, uh, I mean, Grace Allen's good. That's the thing. I know we all want to talk about the other stuff, and I understand it, but he's a, uh, he's a good basketball player, and that was a uh, sneaky good pickup for them that's going to pay dividends now. He's better than I thought he would be. Is that crazy? I th- He's better pro than I thought he'd be. Yeah, he kind of fits, you know, some guys' you know, right spot, and you kind of figure out how to play alongside other people, right, and how to be, like, a secondary player. He's, I mean, he's become a really good shooter, which is the uh, the key if you're going to be an off-ball guy, right, if you're not going to be the guy who's running offense. So in today's NBA, if you become a really good shooter, like, there's always going to be a spot for you if you're on the wing. Um, he can hold his own on defense. He's got some bounce, you know, some, and he can come off the dribble. Like, those kind of guys are really important. Guys, it sounds silly, but guys who can hit an open shot and dribble the ball into the, you know, into the off the three point line. Um, they're hard to find the guys you can rely on that in those situations. And, you know, kind of often playoff basketball comes down to can you put out five guys in the court who can all hold their own on both ends um, of the floor, and he's one of these guys who can. Did Joel Embiid, without explicitly saying it, accuse the refs of fixing game four? No, <laughs> that's, that's always so funny. Or not fixing game four, but at least, um, at least uh, you know, I don't even know, giving in to Nick Nurse's complaints. I mean, Nick Nurse, he started lobbing officials before the series even started, basically, right? <laughs> so that was pretty funny. Um, yeah, I mean, what, what do you say? They got what they want or whatever? I never know, like, 
kind of Donahue thing kills all this, but like, do how many people think this works? That like Adam Silver makes a call and then that person makes the call and eventually gets tilted down? Like, with the, you know, that's the part that was confusing me. Yeah, well, it's, emails. They just send emails. Say Toronto emails, wins course. game four. That way there's a paper trail and we can all prove <laughs> it eventually course. one day. It'll exactly, be great. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Naturally, well, naturally. He is your own Weitzman again covering the NBA for Fox Sports. Your own, we appreciate it. Thank you so Thanks, much. Thanks, appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks, guys. So, your own White's been covering the NBA for Fox Sports. Joining us now. Um, yeah. how? Uh, let's ask that hypothetical really quick. The NBA wants game four to go to Toronto so they can get an extra game out of that series with Philadelphia. How does that happen? Well, one, you never put anything in writing. So, Adam Silver has Adam a burner Silver cell phone. Adam Silver has a burner cell phone. Calls and- the referees directly? Does he have like a referee rep like calls him up and says hey who are we send in to make sure this game this series goes i don't five. think he'd call the referees directly i think he's smarter than that he might call that security guard uh that each team has a security guard like the uh like the uh um timberwolves do and he'll call the security guard in toronto and say hey get over to the dressing room let him, know. Let, him let know let him know let him know what's gonna happen i also love the idea that the nba would Fix a first round series that is already three nothing. That's already over. Like yeah. if you were going to fix something, I think you'd do it. I think you be fix, a little more. I think you fix Phoenix at, Phoenix at two two because you want Phoenix advancing right. more than you want the Pelicans advancing. Right, and yeah, you. But even then, I think you'd fix something with a little bit more high stakes, like the conference finals. Not, oh, you're talking about rounds. Yeah, and not well. Yeah, and right. and the where the series it's three right. nothing. If you yeah. were going to fix fix game three, so it's a two one series. Or if it's, yeah, exactly. If it's if or if someone's up two one and the favorite is has the one and you got to get them to two two, you can fix that. Yeah, it's just th- well, this would be the worst time to fix a game. Be like, yeah, it's three nothing, but we we really got to have game five of the first round back in Philly. That's the in. The future of the NBA hinges on if that game gets played or not. I mean, it's also how quickly can, like, what if what if Toronto's just winning already? And you're like, well, I put the fix in. <laughs> this is just a waste of time. Now I got to buy all these refs Rolexes. All right, coming up next, we're going to jump back into the Golden Knights. But first, we've got two tickets to go see the Colt. They're coming to Las Vegas at the House of Blues on May 8th, you can buy tickets at Ticketmaster, or you could win a pair from us right now. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. If you want to go see the Colt at House of Blues on May 8th, 702-364-1100. We'll take caller number six. You're locked in the press box. Golden Knights lost in overtime yesterday. A big dent to their playoff hopes. They no longer control their own destiny. They need to beat Dallas on Tuesday and get some help. Technically, they can lose to Dallas in overtime and still make it with a lot of help to end the year. But what the hell with Robin Leonard? We spent a little bit of time on this to start the show, but I want to try to run through the timeline here. Emily Kaplan of ESPN, Jesse Granger of The Athletic, two different reporters, both reported that Leonard was having season-ending surgery. A couple hours later, Pete DeBoer told the media that that wasn't true. Robin Leonard was going to be dressed for Sunday's game. Robin Leonard ended up dressing for Sunday's game. We also had Leonard the very next day on Saturday miss practice, and the Golden Knights put out a statement 
saying he was going to miss practice. Now, I don't believe the Golden Knights have made it a habit of putting out statements when a player is going to miss practice. Normally, they just miss For practice. five years, I can never remember anyone saying maintenance day until the coach afterwards said it was a maintenance right. day. Right. Coach afterwards, Ever. when asked, yeah, hey, so-and-so missed practice, what was it? Maintenance day. Yeah. Statement sent out to the media before practice. Never seen that before. Never. And then Leonard, as dressed for yesterday's game, doesn't play, Logan Thompson got the start, actually is dressed for Sunday's game, sits on the bench. What happened here? I'm telling you, I th- it, once, okay, the funny thing about it is, I understand why they put out the statement on Saturday because they knew all the questions that were coming. I've never, I haven't seen that place as packed for practice in years. And I think a lot of it had to do, someone said, well, it's their last practice. I think a lot of it had to do with Leonard because of all the publication on Leonard. So I actually understood why they did it. But once you do that, you raise a ton of red flags. And I'll tell you this. I think Pete DeBoer internally is pissed because I think he's carrying the water for these guys. And I think, I think he is too. I think management is telling him what to say. And I think if you want, if it was up to Pete DeBoer, he would say a lot more. I, I, I absolutely th- believe that. I think this is a perfect scenario where you have a situation that is obviously not just Pete DeBoer, right? Oh, no. Pete DeBoer no. is obviously not making, A, who starts in goal. We had Robin Leonard playing for right. one period. But now, B, whether or not Robin Leonard has surgery, how healthy is, not, that's not all Pete DeBoer, no. right? No. But Pete DeBoer has to talk to the media every day. Yeah. George McPhee and Kelly McCrimmon don't have to talk to the media every day. Hell, Robin Leonard's not talking to the media either, right? Uh, Robin Leonard might no, clear this whole got, thing he's up. He's got the out. He's the backup. Right. He, <laughs> he doesn't have to play at all, or he doesn't have to speak at all. He might clear this whole thing up if he does talk to the right. media. He might be like, yep, here's exactly what happened, because Leonard has always been pretty truthful when it comes to the media since he's been in Vegas, yes. right? So, But Pete DeBoer is the only one involved in this entire situation with Leonard, Logan Thompson, the injury, the surgery, the non-surgery, whatever. He's the only one that has to talk to the media. So absolutely, he is basically having to go out there and say what they want him to say, whatever they want him to say, where he'd probably be out and be like, listen, this is not under my control. I don't decide who has knee surgery. He would be talking if it was allowed. (laughs) He would be talking, but he's like, and Gallant used to do this. He'd carry the water for McPhee. When McPhee wanted a certain, um, let's say, narrative out there, he'd have to be the one to go in front of the media on a daily basis and do that. What's amazing to me is this is the third time in about 14 or 15 months that the Golden Knights have had some sort of drama or problems around Robin Leonard that could have been completely avoided if they just told the truth from the start. Right, right. Remember last year, his concussion, not he their was way. gone for it's not their way. a it's month. It's culture of fear at that point. And they wouldn't tell anybody he had a concussion. I know. And everybody was questioning his mental health. Leonard sure. had to come out and be like, I don't have mental health problems right, right now. It's a concussion. Yes. This year, Frank Saravalli reporting that he's got... Uh, Busted kneecap. Yeah, and Robin Leonard's got to fight him on Twitter because the Golden Knights don't say what it is. And now this. We don't know what's happening with Robin Leonard because all we get is Pete DeBoer having to come out and say, I expect him to be ready to play on Sunday. Culture of fear.